We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Thursday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parham, Neil McCready, Jeffrey Wright joining us for his weekly appearance on the show on the Campbell Clinic Hotline. Ole Miss basketball last night uh, has a four-point lead at the break. Falls to Mississippi State 83-71 in Humphrey Coliseum. Fall back below 500. They have a home date with South Carolina coming up on a Saturday. And uh, just didn't play well. Didn't look very good at all for him basically the entire second half last night. So we'll dive into that a little bit. On this baseball, loses 4-2 to Arkansas State last night in the home opener. The Rebels now 2-3 and three overall as the Red Wolves really control the game throughout. So we'll look at that. Um, elsewhere, a pretty exciting night in the SEC. Two great games between Alabama, Florida, LSU, Kentucky, and then some uh, potential movement on the college football playoff front for uh, the future after these two years of this original contract. So all that and more coming up on the show, a show brought to you every day by the Oxford Exxon and all Blue Sky locations throughout Mississippi, up and down I-55, throughout North Mississippi as well. They've got their superstore that is now open in Macomb. Got a subway attached to it. Got a tons of options down if you're in that area, but wherever. Beer Cave, Lunch Specials, 569, and much more there with all Blue Skies. And again, coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio. We are Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for our friend Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for, and he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done. What I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. 662-257-1900. Jeffrey Wright, all other guests, join on the Campbell Clinic Hotline. The Campbell Clinic is in Oxford now, 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street from the cottages at Hooper Hollow. The Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care, everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery, spine, total joint care, pediatric orthopedics, physical therapy, and more to book an appointment. Go to CampbellClinicOxford.com or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Jeffrey Wright joins us, as I mentioned, on the Campbell Clinic Hotline. Jeffrey, how are you, sir? 
Boys, I am well. How about yourselves? Um, I'm 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 fighting. I think the cold that's been running through my house a little bit. Other than that, I'm I'm good. I stayed up and watched Ole Miss and Mississippi State basketball and tried to go to sleep after that. It was of the three games that were available. There was four games. Chase pointed out in our pre-show that Georgia and Vanderbilt were on. I I did not subject myself to that torture. Three and Woods and all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah. I only saw it because I follow Anthony Dasher on Twitter. That was that was oh, basically Oh, it. I watched it. <laughs> Florida that and line, Alabama. That line, that line stunk and the the rumors were all week that they had made the decision they were getting rid of Stackhouse. And the one thing that I love Honestly, I love it more in gambling than I even love like betting on a team that just covers. Like, as much as I love my kids from UConn, there's nothing I love more on the planet than finding a team that's quit and just betting against them. Yeah. Uh, real quick before y'all jump into more basketball, uh, Neil, is your phone a paperweight too? Uh, Jeffrey and I, we we have this yep. SOS thing. We're good on wireless, but apparently you can't make calls. Uh, we're, good a, on, uh, we're good on Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. It is a nationwide issue with AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile. I, I, I laughed at our buddy this morning, Ryan Brown. He, uh, he had a tweet. He said that apparently he can text, receive text, but not call or receive calls. Where do you sign up for that plan? That sounds amazing. Um, so that's kind of where we are uh, <laughs> sitting here this morning with uh, thanks to our mobile carriers. I have uh, I have gotten text and I've texted people back. I have not attempted to make a call. So I don't I don't do know. You have an to... SOS signal in the top right corner of your home screen. Well, let me see. Yeah, get I do. Yeah, that, that 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 was my great moment for Neil right there. He had to put the readers on to see the yeah. SOS in the top yeah. right corner of the screen. Father time Neil, comes uh, for us all, boys. I, Father I, time I comes for everyone. I think you got to go Jimbo though. You got to get those pull aparts. You know, I've got, I've got some of those at all times. Just keep I'm, them. Like, yeah, I've got some of those. I ordered some more stylish uh, readers here recently. They just haven't. Arrived. They've got the little lenses you can just like stick to the back of your phone and you just put them on the end of your nose when you need them. So there's no, always right there if you got I'm, your phone I'm with good. you. Wait, Neil, when is when is this coming for me? Because you're like me. You've worn contacts your whole life, right? Yep. Uh it happened to me at about 52, 53. Fairly okay. recently. I held on for a lot longer than most people. Like Laura was wearing readers two, three years ago, and she just turned 51. Does Laura does Laura wear contacts? Like, does she no. have no, okay. she does not. That's what it you seems. Know, it seems you, you can, can hang on if you already have. If you had bad vision to begin with, it feels like you can hang on a little longer. You can get those bifocal contact lenses. I just don't like them so far. Um, I really like my optometrist person, and he and I, he let me experiment with some a little bit. Yeah. I just didn't, I wasn't really crazy about him. He indicated that there are some advances coming in that regard. So I will take him for his word for it. I would love for those to kick in where I could do that because I've got, I've got a pair of glasses that have the bifocals in them where you can't see them at all, and they're fantastic glasses, but I don't like wearing glasses all day long. No, it, depth perception is the problem for me with glasses. Well, it's just they move on your face. and if yeah. You, yeah, just, you know, and I don't know. Carry on, uh, basketball. I was, thinking, I I was thinking about this. Neil, I was thinking about this. Now, granted, you might not be the, the appropriate person to ask because your NBA team is is fun to watch. Yes. This is the first time in a very long time that at this point in the calendar, I prefer watching college basketball right now to the NBA. 
some of that is probably Grizzlies fatigue. They've been a tough team to watch with injuries and jaw and all that stuff. That, that That's probably a good bit of it. But the NBA is more top-heavy this year than the NBA likes to. They love the idea of, hey, we're super, we have lots of parity. There's a lot of bad teams. So I think this is this is how I've, this is kind of what I think I've stumbled upon. Because like in the end, it's not like it's a conscious decision. It wasn't as if I said, you know what I'm going to do this year? I'm watching more college basketball. I think what it was for me is we've been trending this way in the NBA. And now it feels like it's really here where I don't know what the regular season means. Because we've seen so many teams be good teams in the regular season. And then when it gets into the playoffs and rotations cut down and defense picks up, you know, the teams that are built for regular season success are usually teams that like go like 10 deep. They play a bunch of guys and they kind of play harder for more minutes than other teams do. Yep. And that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily translate into the playoffs because in the playoffs, it's like, all right, who can make shots when, when it's a short shot clock and, you know, teams have picked up the defensive intensity. Like, who's got the best half-court offense, which really to me means, like, who can make the most tough shots? And so it's almost like now with the NBA, it's like, wake me up when we get to the playoffs because I do think high-level NBA playoff basketball is awesome. It is. But it just feels like, like, the same thing. Like, I know it's fun to make fun of Doc, and he's been doing, like, he's been on, like, a relentless tell your story tour, like one of the finest I've ever seen. Like, and I, I, I do appreciate what he's doing for the content, but like, for me, it's almost like I'm still not really all that worried about the box. Cause like in the end, it's just going to be like, what, what do they look like in the playoffs? And you can talk me into, despite the fact Dame plays no defense, like Dame can make shots in the playoffs. And so you can talk me into a world where they're fine, but it's almost just like, wake me up when the playoffs start. Yeah, so in the East, you've got the one dominant team, Boston. And then you have like, okay, well, who who's going to be the other team in the East? And I, I, I'm i having a hard time talking myself into the Knicks, even though I watch them and I like the moves they made and I, I think they're a good team and they have some pieces, but they have – whatever. I'm with you. I'm with Milwaukee. I'm like, okay, well, the, they're going to get Middleton back. They're sort of in cruise control right now. They've got – in a playoff series, they're not going to play some of the guys that are playing – They'll be fine. And then in the West, it's like uh, it's like Denver. Denver's on cruise control. Denver knows exactly exactly how what it takes to win a title. They did, this did it. And there's puttering around at fourth, and people are like, are they vulnerable? Like, I don't know. We'll find out. Right now they're not right now they're just conserving energy. They're like if you I was watching, believe it or not, some of the uh, Daytona 500 the other day, and they were talking about how... I, I watched points, the whole damn thing. It was actually kind of interesting. I, I'll give credit where credit's due. The, they, the announcers did a pretty good job of educating people like me about what was going on with like fuel preservation and stuff. Feels like the Nuggets are just preserving fuel. And I still think in a playoff series, when they go, okay, but you know what? Let's... let's hey, we've got enough fuel now. Uh, go ahead and put the pedal down. Well, it also seems to me the other thing with the Nuggets is they probably self-assessed pretty well. Hey, why did we win a title? Well, it's because we had our top eight healthy. And really, they they really went six deep for most of the playoffs. We had them healthy. It's like we've got to get to that point 
Uh, also, though, on the NASCAR front, uh, the full speed documentary, the the people that do Drive to Survive, Full Swing, yeah, break, uh, break point or breaking point on for tennis, uh, very good. Yeah, Tyler Siski is Siski has made it. me promise to watch it, and he said very, it's great. Uh, Leah and I both like it was it was both of us watched it and loved it. The one thing about NBA versus college basketball, so I'm probably going to do a hand raise guys tonight. I'll probably do it by myself for like an hour. And there's two or three things I want to talk about. And one of them is, and this is not me being like old man yelling at clouds. The one problem I have with college basketball is that with the exception of a couple of teams, and I guess if I watched a lot of mid-major basketball, maybe I would see more of this. There's just no continuity at all. That And, and to me, that's, what do I enjoy about watching the Thunder night in and night out? It's not necessarily the winning because last year they didn't win that much and I watched them pretty much night in and night out. And what I enjoyed about it was you could see growth. You could see development. You could see chemistry being built. You could see experiments happening. Hey, let's try this lineup. Let's try this combination. Let's move this person here. Like one of the stories with the Thunder is where does Josh Giddy fit? Because right now, I mean, he's a ball-dominant player on a team that there's no possessions for him. You've got SGA, who's one of the top five players in the world. He's very ball-dominant, as he should be. Uh, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara is emerging as a top, probably 30 NBA player. He, when, when SGA's not in the game, he's the guy that's become the guy that kind of runs the second unit, so he's very ball-dominant. There's not a lot of space for uh for giddy and yet when giddy does get in situations where he gets the ball in his hands you see these flashes of why teams liked him as a lottery pick but this team's been together for a while and, and they're starting to grow together and they're probably going to get their butt kicked in a playoff series because that's what happens in the nba and then you'll get to see them sort of learn from it because barring some you know unforeseen circumstance this team's going to be back together again next season and a year older and a year wiser and have a playoff experience and all of that stuff, but you don't get that anymore at the college level. At, and so sometimes the games, I'm like, I don't know who the hell these people are. Like I was watching Kentucky and, and LSU yesterday, and it was a great game, super entertaining. It was great environment in Baton Rouge. LSU wins on a a, a buzzer beater. With, yeah, half a, a miracle with half a second left. And the place goes crazy and, Angel Reese was there and all that stuff. It was it was it was compelling television. Couldn't believe she found a camera. <laughs> but like I was thinking, I don't know who these LSU guys are. I know a few of the Kentucky guys because I always read about NBA mock like, drafts and like, stuff. Because you're reading mocks. Yeah, that's it. But that's it. It's the only way I know who anybody is at the college level is okay. This handful of guys, Colorado will come on and I'll watch Cody Williams because he's mocked as a top five guy and he's. Jalen Williams' brother. It's I'll watch them. Duke will come on. I'll watch them because every person who does a mock draft puts Kyle Filipowski with the Thunder, and it makes a lot of sense. And so I'll watch him, And but I'm not really watching him because he's Duke. I'm watching him because I wonder how he'd play with Chet in a, in a lineup and stuff. That's the weird part about the college game is I just still – I missed the year-over-year year continuity. Like they, they, a few years ago when Ole Miss made the tournament, with Brian Tyree and Devontae Shuler and um, um, Terrence Davis and those guys, those guys had played together. They'd gone through some bad seasons together, like where they sucked. And all of a sudden they have this new lease. And it was a good story. Like, 
I'm watching Ole Miss play, and like this team's just been sort of cobbled together. And yeah, you've got the Morrell story, and I guess you have Breakfield, but for the rest, for the most part, it's just dudes that are there. And State's sort of the same way. And it just, I don't know, it has this funny feel to it that I can't, as a as a fan, as a journalist, I can watch it and write about it. But as a fan, I can't, I have a hard time finding myself super interested in it. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I think also what you're touching on shows the difference. After football ended, you know, this this is when Ali and I get caught up on shows. And we watch, you know, we watch shows on the main TV with sound. And so I'm watching a lot of it with without sound. And so I'm less focused on who the who the players are, who it is. It feels like to me college basketball atmospheres have gotten back and yeah. college basketball atmosphere is really fun. Um mm-hmm. fun to watch, particularly. I mean, like that scene in Baton Rouge was great. I mean, the Penn State scene, they they went back to like they they did like what Ole Miss did, played yeah. you know, their old rec center. And like that was a cool thing to look at. And and Creighton the other night. Creighton the other night, great scene. Although, you know, uh, I'm just I'm happy that my my opportunity to bet everything on the Huskies on Saturdays back in play. Um, also, <laughs> I can't think of a more uh, disappointing. I love I love the Hurleys as characters. Like I I love that they're truly psychopaths, but they're yeah. psychopaths that they're psychopaths that don't really like to me like they don't come across as mean-spirited they just come across as like insane competitors and like you don't see like unlike coach k like he's not hurley doesn't go off and like coach the other team you know what i mean like and like yeah. he just gets he just like gets insane with his own team so but that video of like dan dan watch dan hurley uh get into it with a fan i was like oh like okay let me, let me yeah. click. And then I saw the video and I was like, that's it? Yeah. Like, he was, told a, a fan was yelling at me because I'd, I'd knock you out. And you know what? He probably would knock that kid out if he came down. It. I mean, you know what it, you know what it, it reminded me of? Was it the A&M game in 2013 when some student or something yelled at freeze and then yeah. like, as it was coming through the tunnel? It reminded me of that. Yeah, they kind of had to help hold him back from up and yeah. like yelling or whatever yeah. the guy that was above yeah. the tunnel. Yeah, he was like yeah. walking through the tunnel. It's like, okay, that, that that's what that reminded me of. But I, I think a big part of me for this year with the NBA, I'm starting to wonder if the, if the new rules and the new points of emphasis on defense, I don't think it's helping. Now, it's also important to note, like I'd like to see the postseason, but I watch a lot of guys that are scared to play defense and not for, you know, the typical, oh, the NBA didn't play defense rules. It's it's like they don't, you know what I mean? Like they're scared of getting fouls. And so it's just. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious if in the postseason the, the rules stay the same or if they sort of revert back to suddenly they let it get physical again. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's like NFL football where if you watch week to week on Sundays, I mean, it just becomes a flag fest. And anytime you touch a receiver, here comes the flag. And that can get very frustrating if you're watching just an NFL Sunday. But come playoff time, I mean, you basically have to, like, draw blood for them to throw a flag. What's it been, four holding calls in the last five Super Bowls or something like that? I yeah. mean, they're, they're not calling. I mean, and, and, like, with the postseason, like, the, the Thunder 
benefit a lot. And he's look, he's great. He's probably the best driver in the league. But SGA gets to the line a bunch. And I worry about in a playoff series where they swallow the whistle, he just kind of gets hammered and he doesn't get to the line nearly as much and they can't create as much offense. And that's what gets them. Yeah. And again, I openly acknowledge part of this could be the team that I watch night in, night out. It's just not, it's very boring. I mean, yeah. they're, they're just in a, the true definition of a gap year. They're, they're two, two of their three best players are hurt. One's out for the year. The other is, you know, the team would like to not play him again. They'd like to put him in bubble wrap and say, we'll see you next year with Desmond Bain. But I, I do get the sense Desmond Bain is like very bored and he's like, I want to play, which it's like a certain degree, like, okay, you kind of respect that, but it's like, it's competitively. I don't think that's the best decision, but I, I don't know. Like just watching night in night out NBA, it just feels like more teams than ever just kind of going through the motions of the regular season. And maybe it's the point on the calendar that we're at because you know, for all of the, for all the things that the NBA gets credit for, and it's, like I do think like the in season tournament kind of worked. Like I felt like those games were more intense. I, I, like I think that's kind of really the crux of it. Why are why is everyone out on the All Star game? Well, it's a joke. Like it's not a competitive thing. You can't really trick us into thinking you're playing hard. We kind of know it when we see it. And so much of this season, I feel like when I've turned on an NBA game, it's just been like, all right, man, these guys are just like, they're just going through the motions. All right, Factors Delicious Ready-to-Eat Meals make eating better every day easy, whether tomorrow, where, whatever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, dietitian-approved meals delivered right to your door, 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan, veggie, and more. Even more to enjoy with 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting on? Getting started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. It's the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily, easily, flexible for your schedule, as much or little you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. You can fuel up fast with the restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat two minutes whenever you need them. Head to factormills.com slash mpw50. Use code mpw50 to get 50% off. That's code mpw50 at factormills.com slash mpw50. Are you retiring soon? How long should you wait to take Social Security? What accounts should you pull from first? Are you already retired? Should you consider Roth conversions? These are just some of the questions that can only be answered with a personalized retirement income plan. Andrew Sego with Seagull Wealth Management specializes in helping folks just like you come up with their retirement game plan, whether you meet at his office in Collierville or prefer Zoom from anywhere. Schedule a free discovery meeting and see what they can do for you. It's revelsretire.com. We're brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. The weather is starting to warm up a little bit. Uh, it might be time to make sure your AC is ready to go. You know it's going to get hot and uh, you want that air conditioner ready. So get in touch with the people at Comer and Southern. They'll check you out, have you ready to go when the temperatures rise and you crank up the AC. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, that area, call Southern, 662-429-4429. A-Stock is a Nashville-based online retail company with the mission to provide customers the power to name their price. 
All items start at just $1. That's right. Every item starts at just $1, no matter what the retail value may be. So shop now at astock.bid. That's A-S-T-O-C-K dot B-I-D. Or download their app, name your price on thousands of items from big name retailers. Astock has multiple locations around Nashville, Memphis, some in Indiana, and more coming soon that offer local pickups. So don't miss out. Uh, the College Corner can get you outfitted for the start of the baseball season today, this weekend, basketball this weekend in Oxford as well with South Carolina heading to town. If you want to get your uh, your Ole Miss gear, stop by uh, the College Corner. they got two locations in Jackson. Got one right here in Oxford off of Sisk Avenue with the Oxford Commons. More than 4,000 square feet of the best Rebel gear. They'll have you in and out and uh, ready for uh, the games in no time. You can also check them out at collegecornerstore.com. Uh, when you work with Argent Welts 401k advisory services, you gain a valuable advisory team and time-saving resource that will help you develop and maintain a solid strategy for your retirement plan. They're committed to providing you with the personalized attention and involvement that you want and need. Their goal is to help you manage your 401k plan properly and ultimately improve your employees' retirement readiness to learn more go to mypinwealth.com i'm sorry that's my arg my argent wealth.com i've been so used to saying um my pin wealth it's my argent m-y-a-r-g-e-n-t wealth.com it's i mean there's a lot of truth to that it's a long season this year they've told guys hey if you want to win awards and they all do because they all have salary bonuses tied yeah. to it if you want to win a war, I actually think that I think that could be a, a big unintended consequence. They're all just trying to get to sixty-five games. Yeah, and so it's hey, play these games, but in some of those games, I'm going to rest. I'm not going to play super hard, and then I don't know. Like I do anticipate the final third of the season in the West, especially to pretty much ramp up because nobody wants to be in a play-in game against the Lakers or the Warriors. People are going to fight to get to that four, five, six seed line, and so there's. So many good teams, Dallas, Phoenix, Sacramento. I mean, all of those teams are pretty good, and they're going to be playing each other a lot. And I do think, like tonight, the Thunder and the Clippers play, and I kind of think it's going to be a pretty intense game. See, like, um, it's like the, to me, it's like with the Clippers. First off, uh, shout-out to Doc's continued, as I mentioned. He's giving one of the Hall of Fame tours of don't tell these story, tell your story. When he dropped the... I asked Kawhi if he was really sure that he wanted to trade SGA. That was when I just realized, man, this guy's this guy's cooking with gas. Like he he's yeah, just total total horseshit. This is the drive by on Kawhi. The I I identified it. It reminded me of when Matt Rule when Matt Rule at the Nebraska like I guess it was post uh, signing day. It's like yeah, when I was at the Panthers, I I said you know why is Brock Purdy not on our board? You know. I said we should have him on the board. It's like, okay, buddy. <laughs> so oh, Ole Miss and State, yeah. Ole Miss and State last night. Yep. I, mean, I don't want to be like Debbie Downer or whatever, but I watched that game. Ole Miss leads by four at the half. They survived that early State crowd run. State got up by what was it, Chase? Twelve points. Yeah, I think twelve was what I had in my head. Ole Miss comes back, takes a four-point lead into, the, into intermission, and I thought, huh. You know, they survived the CSA foul trouble. They survived a really bad offensive stretch. They had like eight points in the first ten minutes or something like that. Had three and players thought, with two fouls at the half, but they were okay. 
Yeah, they're in great. They're up four. They're in great yeah. shape. And I thought they've got a shot here. This would be a really big win. And then they come out in the second half. And look, we can talk about officiating, whatever. I mean, I'm not a big Doug Shiles fan. I don't think he does a terrific job. That being said. Is anyone a Doug Shiles fan other than Doug Shiles? Probably not. But look, when the opposing team is getting just dunks and wide open threes, it's hard to pin that on officiating. That's that's execution. That's effort. That's, I don't know. It's, there was... There was something weird about, and they made a little run to kind of cut back into it. Maybe they got to within four or five, and then State pushed it back out again with a couple of wide open threes. To me, the whole story was about coming out of the out of the break. State turned it up defensively. Ole Miss had to work to get points. Ole Miss did not turn it up defensively, and it didn't feel like State was really having to work to get points. And State's not known as an offensive team. They're known as a defensive team. And they got, they shot really high percentages. And when a team like that shoots percentages like that, it's because you're not playing defense. And look, State missed them. I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, Chase, but they missed a bunch of free throws. I mean, if they make their free throws, that's 23 of 39. Missed 16 free throws. You make. Eight or nine of those free throws, and that is an absolute Now, Ole Miss allowed at least, what, four offensive rebounds off missed free throws last night? I at mean, least. my God. And ended up, overall rebounds were tied. It just, I don't know. I keep We keep doing this thing because we do a daily podcast and we cover Ole Miss, and it's like, okay, well, what's their path? And what's their... Last night was the first night that I just kind of looked at it and said to myself, I just don't know that they're good enough. And maybe See, I, felt, I felt that on Saturday. I know they came back in the second half against Missouri, but I, in the first think, half against yeah. Missouri, there was no ball movement. They looked yeah. sluggish and slow on the offensive end. They weren't moving the ball. There was no paint touches, and they just sort of kind of got through that game. And when I was when I walked out of the field, I went, yeah, only Missouri. That was the only team that you would have done that against. And that's where the second half last night looked to me, except it was on the defensive end. They were just kind of standing around like there wasn't – whether it's tired, fatigue, talent. I mean, again, I don't know enough to call exactly what it is, and it's not the same with every player. But, no, this has felt like a continuation, frankly, for three weeks now that's only gotten worse. Because they did this against South Carolina on the road a little bit. They did this, frankly, against Auburn when they just completely no-showed, even though the Tigers are very good in the second half. I mean, it's been – there has been not just the run that you get in basketball. There has been a half or a yes. huge segment that has just gone completely out of sync from a movement standpoint. Second half against Auburn, first half against South Carolina, now second half against Mississippi State. It's inexplicable. Yeah, I guess where I would start with – do any of the three of us believe that the wrong team won last night based on the game that we watched? No, 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 no. The state played state and, and Beard said the state played a much more physical game. State played a smarter game defensively, but I've watched them a bunch. They're not world. Beaters. No, 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 no. I, I'm with you. So I kind of had a little different feel in the first half. So in the first half, Ole Miss survives the first punch. And because at a certain point, I'm wondering, like, is Ole Miss going to get run out of the building here? They claw back. But if you look at how they clawed back, it was literally like they just made 
everything. It was Morell jump shots. He had 16 or 18 at the break. And I just kept thinking, I was like, okay, maybe like this is a situation where that got you back into the game. But you had to know that they weren't going to continue to shoot. What, like, if there was like a stretch of 10 minutes where they shot 80%, and, and I was like, okay, that's not going to last, but maybe that's what you needed to get you back into the game. Could they could they play better defensively in the second half? And they didn't. And it was just like State kind of survived the Ole Miss counterpunch, which was hitting a bunch of shots. And then once, once Ole Miss was – Ole Miss's only way to stay in the game was to continue to hit shots at an incredible rate. And in the second half, they just didn't. And then it just kind of became, all right, well – State was getting very easy buckets, and Ole Miss didn't have an answer. There's no worse shot in basketball than a deep mid-range two. Yes. And if you're going to take it, you got to make it. Yes. Right? I mean, if you're if you're taking that shot and knocking it down, like we're talking about NBA, if you watch a lot of NBA, you can, you can tell NBA is about, hey, points at the rim, shoot the three. Yeah, you have to have some mid-range, but you got to make mid-range. If you're missing deep, mid-range twos, you're probably getting beat. Yeah, it's like... The NBA, in the NBA, you're getting taken off the floor because it's like, you, 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 we can't do this. And Ole Miss was taking these deep mid-range twos like Flanagan trying to do a man-on-man against his guy, taking a 14-foot jumper that rimmed out or whatever. And it's like, dude, that's just... There's nothing in that possession, nothing in that possession that that is giving your... Give, Chris Jans would sign up for that all day. If that's the shot you're going to take, well, awesome. Take they're not an emphasis that. anymore. You don't even practice them the same way. You don't work to get them, and I think it's hurt it even more. Like I, I get it's not the same game, but I, I found this fascinating. I was looking at it was a story in the Athletic about Caitlin Clark the other day, and it was showing her percentages from everywhere on the court, and then how many all often she shoots from those spots on the court, both. And while it was a smaller percentage because she doesn't take a lot of long range two point shots, she had a worst shot percentage there that at every point around the perimeter, all five. Yeah, then, then she was probably, worse inside, just inside the line on a long, eight, you know, 14 to 18 footer. She's probably worse than she is from 30. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but it's like, I'm fine when Chris Paul takes mid range shots. You know why? Cause he's like 90%. Like he, he's, he is an elite shooter at that, but I don't know. Like to me, when I watch Ole Miss, the thing that just kind of sticks out, and I, I credit Aaliyah said this last night because we were having a Memphis and Ole Miss were playing at the same time. And obviously I've got to talk about Memphis. She goes, those look like two teams that could see each other in the NIT. <laughs> and, and I and I think that's I think that was pretty spot on because to a certain degree with Ole Miss, I think they overachieved. And I think now we're starting to see as the year goes on some fatigue sets in, you know, scattering reports get out there. I think you're realizing like, man, they did a really good job with this roster. Like the first, what was it? 20 something games. Like they, and it just might be a situation now where it's like, you know, uh, it, everything's kind of leveling out. You're also realizing January 30th, they beat state at home by four. And they were sitting there where you thought there was only one game on the schedule. They just gave away a little bit. And that was that LSU loss that when LSU was not playing very well that night. Since then, everything has been a struggle, even the win over Missouri. And they're one and four since then. But go back and remember the games in November and December. They played a lot of close games against a lot of muh teams. And they won them all. 
But if a couple of those had gone differently, ball in the air where you could lose if it goes in the bucket, a couple of those happen. We're not even having this conversation right now. I mean, we're just like, yeah, you know, it's a rebuild year. I think maybe there was a certain degree of false hope that was generated by the 13-0. and Was it 13-0? and Yeah, 13-0 and non-league start where they, you know, they went to UCF and won and they beat Memphis. And at the time, well, that went over Memphis. Was- Hammered NC State. Yeah, beat beat the hell out of NC State and you know, held on against Sam Houston at the Tad Pad and all those things. But you go back and look at those games, like those games are pretty close, you know. I mean, those some of those games could have gone the other way. Detroit Mercy, seventy six. I, I was the first thing that came to mind was like Detroit Mercy, who went what, twenty six games without a win? Uh like that that game was like what final possession. I mean, even the seventy sixty nine, ball and air. Yeah, the, the Tad Pad game, the Sam Houston State game, like that could have gone the other way easily. Simple and, had ball and air. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and again, like it's the scoreboard business. We get it. Like you, you did. You won. But I do think that there was probably some truth to Ole Miss probably was not as good as its record. Now, with everything that we've just said, you know, they're what? Probably three performances away from being a tournament team. Oh, and they could still do it. I'm just having a hard time finding the path because, yeah, they could beat South Carolina on Saturday. In fact, they probably will maybe. That's seven and seven. I I don't – watching Alabama, and I've watched Alabama a lot, I just don't see it. I don't see how they win that game. So that's seven and eight. They got to go to Athens and win. They they can, but – They got to go to Columbia, Athens, and beat A&M at home. Beat A&M at home. And and even then, guys – like what's their net this morning? Probably sixty-eight. Uh, Ken Palm 69. seventy. I haven't looked at that. Yeah, I, I would have figured they were close, somewhere between like sixty and seventy. I mean, if you win South Carolina at home, at Georgia, at Mizzou, and beat Texas A and M at home, and lose to Bama, what's your net? It's still in the sixties. I mean, you're you're going to need it. Probably. I mean. You're probably going to need a little help there. Maybe you have to do something in Nashville. Maybe the rest. I mean, you can't have upsets all over the the country in the, in the smaller tournaments. I don't know. I, if you ask me right now, do I think this team can go four and one down the stretch? My answer is no. I don't. I, I mean, I, no, I, just, I, I I I agree with that. Um, you know, I mean, like you you look at it. This is this was a transition team, and, and I think the thing that you got to feel good about is, I think they've. They've gotten just about all they could out of this roster. Like in the end, this kind of goes back to, you know, what we've talked about with SEC basketball. SEC basketball is a players' league, and the more the games go on, like you start to realize, like, okay, you know, for the most part, the teams that are separating themselves are the teams that have the the best players. And so here we are. I don't know. Like I, I just every time I've watched Ole Miss play, because I think Chase is spot on. The only thing that gives me a little hesitation about that Missouri game is Tennessee kind of played the same game against Missouri. Now, granted, Tennessee was on the road, but then Tennessee kind of, you know, they they figured out in the second half and they win by double digits. But I mean, like, if you look at who are like, let's look at the last, what, three weeks of basketball. Kentucky looked like they were on a different level. Auburn in the second half to me looked like they were on the different level. Like they, they, the first half, like it looked like they kind of like were sleepwalking and then they woke up. And when they woke up, you're like, well, that team looks like they're on a 
different level. And, and even last night, like I just felt like when you fit, like you just watched Mississippi State and Ole Miss, it's like, okay, well, Mississippi State looks like the better team. Ole Miss to me just looks like a team that's in kind of that that bottom tier of the league. And that's kind of what we're seeing. Like, I don't think eye test wise, Ole Miss looks that much different than like Georgia. Do y'all? No. The difference is Ole Miss has Morrell and Morrell's had, Matt's had a really good year. Sure. Yeah. Like a year ago when people would talk about Matt as a pro player, I was like, man, what are y'all watching? And and now I kind of see it. He's gotten better shape. He He's taking smarter shots. He's shown some leadership skills. I mean, I I kind of agree with Chris. If he were an inch and a half, two inches taller, he'd probably already be in the league. Um, so that's the difference. I mean, and 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 but he played really well last night. He played really well against Missouri. Otherwise, they lose the game. I mean, you've got to have somebody else step up. And I mean, Jalen Murray was okay last night. Breakfield's super inconsistent. You don't get anything out of the bigs much. Um Brandon Murray has disappeared. You don't get much out of Caldwell. Um, Flanagan, Flanagan's been good most of the season. He has some nights where he's he's ineffective, but they, they just I just come back to the whole thing of there's just not enough. And like, like we were talking about this before the show. I watched LSU, Kentucky, um, Florida, Alabama, and Ole Miss State. And uh, by the way, I, dibs on Kentucky. That is my dream girl. With all due respect to Aaliyah, that team and their ability to just go like psychotic, like they'll have 10 minute stretches where you're like, oh my God, these guys are incredible. And then they'll have these next like 10 minute stretches where you're like, oh, they've never played basketball before. They are perfect. They are so bipolar. They're so amazing. I cannot quit them. But, you know, I mean, of those six teams that I watched last night, I mean, it's it's it, ranking them one through six. There's no question who I'll put it six. Yeah. Ole Miss, by the way, 68 this morning in the net. LSU up to 85 after beating Kentucky. Um, Mississippi State up to 36 after a home win. South Carolina desperately needs to beat Ole Miss. They're net down to 57 now. They are. Yeah, they're, they're in a mess right now. They are 21 and five, but... Uh, 13 of those wins are against quad three and quad four. They have two quad three losses. They're three and three in quad one, five and oh in quad two. They 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 don't need South Carolina Ole Miss kind of feels like a borderline elimination game. I mean, South Carolina's in better shape because of their win totals, but those numbers are about the same. And then the one, and Chase talked about this the other day. I'll, I'll give him credit. He was looking ahead at LSU's schedule. They could close with five straight wins. And yeah. if they do, they're at 85 now. I don't know that they get high enough, but that would put them at that would put them at 19 and 12 going into the uh in into Nashville. But like I mean, if they won out, and look, I get they could lay an egg tomorrow and they could lose sure. three, but if they won out, that's what eleven wins. Be eleven SEC wins. Yeah. 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 They have one quad four loss. They have a quad three loss. They're four and seven in quad one, two and two in Two and three in quad two. I mean, they got off to a terrible start, but I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean, if you're Ole Miss, if you even want to have an argument, you, you got to win four of the next five games. And one of those games is against Bama. So 
unless you're going to, and if they beat Bama, awesome. I mean, Bama's a, a five net right now. Beating Alabama is going to require this team play. It's easily its best game of the year. I, I, I just don't see it really. But if so, if you if you concede an L to, to Bama, which isn't going to hurt you, you've got to win the other four games. And so there's just no margin for error, and you've got to pick it up, and you've got to play with more intensity, and you've got to get better on the defensive end. And I just don't know that teams on February the 22nd, that's the day that they start figuring out how to play defense better. No, no and I, go ahead. I think also, right, the the theory is, or at least I don't even, I don't even want to call it the hope, but I guess maybe the expectation. The expectation is that this is going to be Chris Beard's worst team, correct? From a talent perspective, I mean, it's a transition team. I mean, I get it. It's, I, I mean, we don't have forever on this, but like Chase and I talk about this all the time. This is part of what I don't really I'm not crazy about with college athletics today is we say that because, yes, historically, his second team at Texas Tech was a hell of a lot better than his first team. His second team at Texas was a hell of a lot better than his first team. This team's going to presumably lose Morrell, lose Flanagan. Is the do they have the NIL to go out and and buy a better team? I don't know uh, the answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I I I think the answer is we'll find out, right? We'll find out here in like the next four or five months. Um, yeah, I mean, there is kind of, you know, we're seeing it. I think the real question is like, what's the right way to build a roster? And I think we all fundamentally agree. It's like you've got to have a mix of high school program guys, guys that have been in your system, and then you fill in the gaps with with transfers, but not being like a completely transfer-dependent team. I did this segment on our show, I don't know, now feels like a month ago, where I looked at the teams that were the most transfer-heavy and – you know, Memphis obviously led the way with 10 transfers. And it's like almost every team that was on that list with really the exception of Texas Tech, I think, every team was either below 500 or just bubble, like, you know, just absolutely living on the bubble. And, you know, kind of Ole Miss kind of fits that that same profile. So the question could become, it's like, okay, well, how do you rebuild? The one question, though, that I do have in my mind is I had I'd said this on y'all's show a lot, and I've said it on mine as well. I think initially the portal, like when the portal came to the lexicon, because it's been around before the transfer waiver, but it's really when the transfer waiver went in, I thought there was going to be a bubble in terms of we've never seen that many players be available that you could rebuild on the fly. And I think what we saw is coaches kind of fell in love with building a roster that way. But it started to even out this year because now you're starting to realize, all right, guys that were in the portal, they were in there for a reason. The one hesitation that I have is it appears that the NCAA is taking a knee on the fighting the one-time transfer waiver. So you're going to have, you know, everyone can transfer again. So Unlimited, not even again. Right, unlimited transfers. So now is it possible that the the portal is back to being a better way to build a team because now everyone's available? Like I did feel like I felt like this year's portal class was kind of like, okay, this is kind of what I expected, which is eh, you're you're there for a reason. 
The pro yeah, but, but I mean, here's the problem with that. And look, it's everybody's problem. It evens out. But when you're talking about roster management, it's not just do you have the money to go grab all the dudes. God knows what how much money is going to be required to keep the roster that you currently have. Retention yes, is going to become more expensive than acquisition at this point. Well, and then, you know, what we're seeing like with this Memphis team, like they got some good players in the portal. It turns out, you know. Nate Oates wasn't lying when he talked about Quinterly's, you know, it's nice to have a point guard that wants to play basketball every day. Like, he wasn't lying there. Um, you know, you start getting into these mercenaries, and it's like, do you have do you have a coach that they'll listen to? Will they buy in? It's like all the team-building aspect, and it's like, who knows? You know, a lot of these people, you're having to, half the time you're having to build a team in August. Forget June, July. Like you're building it, you're putting it together in August. One last thought, real quick, on that net Ole Miss discussion. I have no idea who Bart Torvik is. Maybe you do, Jeffrey. He's but he does. Ken Palm. Okay, he does net forecasting. Uh, yeah, and I played with it a second ago. And giving Ole Miss every win the rest of the way, except for uh, Alabama. So has yeah. him going ten and eight, but losing to Bama. Um, heading to Nashville, and again, this is in a vacuum. Blame him if you don't like it. Uh, he still has their net only at sixty-three. Yeah, that sounds about right because you know that's that's in Athens, bad team. That's in Columbia, bad team. Like the way to really juice your net is play these games and blow them out. I mean, who's the last team almost blew out? Florida. Yeah. I think, I mean, without looking at the schedule, yeah. So, like, if you go, yeah, I'm doing that from the top of my head. You know, in those four games, like, okay, it could go higher than 62 if they won all four of those in blowouts, but it's like, that's not really what this team Even does. Vanderbilt, they won by 13, but it was a weird game control game. No, Arkansas. They beat the hell out of Arkansas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to 
learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. That's right. Promstrip, promstrip.com. A lot of different flavors available for you. Their uh, newest offering, the uh, soy ginger. It's delicious. It's great on hibachi-type meals, rice, proteins. Mix in the uh, shrimp shrimp with other veggies and different things. So uh, a lot of options for that. Their best seller is the New Orleans Stop Barbecue. I love the signature as well. And they make sure you, uh, it is easy for you, whether it be dinner, lunch, protein, snacks, 10 minutes, freezer to plate, deliver straight to your door, and then we'll give you a little discount. 25% off. You got five pouches or more. Get a few of your favorites. Try a little of everything. PrimeShrimp.com. That's code RG. 25% off. Again, PrimeShrimp.com. Brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. Uh, if you're looking to plan a trip that creates a lifetime of unique memories, get in touch with John. Uh, what you'll do is just give him some parameters. Give him a budget. That's really important. And then let him give you some options. You can sit back and do nothing, and he'll come up with some options that you're not going to find on your own. 901-494-3387 or send him an email, Edwards at regencytravel.net. Oxford's uh, newest Greek restaurant on the square, Opa, is the perfect place to plan your company dinner or festive party event. Fabulous food, great craft libations as well. Opa can accommodate up to two. One seven one four seven. And introduced the candidates since 1967. If you're looking for a job, whether you're entry level or you're a seasoned pro, uh, they can help you. It's always free, multiple fields that they have expertise in. If your company is looking to hire quality, hard to find talent, excuse me, they can help you as well. Um, Excuse me. 662-832-5138 662-832-5138 or check out their new and improved website service specialist ltd.com <coughs> sorry podcast uh, also brought to you by northeast spark that's n-e-s-p-a-r-c two packages the ignite the 100 mbps or the blaze the one gig that powers the clark ford studio using it at home as well your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband that's any spark com 662-238-3159. Phone server, sprinkle controls, network security, wireless mesh extender, and more to get the best internet in Lafayette County. That's 662-238-3159. But I mean, like, I don't know. Like, are we going to sit there? Like, part of this is like, what is the committee going to do? Like, I don't know. Is is this just going to be like the good old days where, remember, as long as, like, as long as you got to, in a 16-game schedule, it's like, as long as you got to, like, nine wins, you were in. Are we are we back to that? The net makes that more likely, but it makes it metrically more likely. And Ole Miss is the anomaly to that because mid majors are technically usually hurt in the net, and that's not the case for Ole Miss because of the way they played early. Yeah, they didn't blow anyone out. Yeah, yeah. and they played so many bad teams. I mean, that game at Temple, they're in the two what, like mid twos, and Detroit Mercy is basically dead last in the country. And like I mean, the big because part of this is like kind of this is like look at what is a team like. You can kind of do the net this way. Like, are they good against the spread? If they're not good against the spread. They usually don't have a great net because mm-hmm. part of the net is how did you perform to expectations? So not only did they play a bunch of bad teams, like they didn't throttle. 
Um, I know you only got a couple minutes left, but um, this meeting in Dallas was in Dallas yesterday. Ross Dellinger's story on Yahoo regarding the college football playoff and after the first two years. We know we're going to get a five plus seven for these first two years. And then they're trying to figure out what it looks like beyond that. And a lot of different models posed yesterday. But Dellinger highlighted, and typically if he highlights one, there's a reason behind that, um, a 14-team model that would have a large number of automatic qualifiers. So the opposite of what Sankey was talking about with no automatics. But it would. I don't think it makes much difference. It's, it's why I didn't really need to spend a lot of time on it. First off, it's a long way away. But number, number two, the most likely model had... 12 potentially 12 automatic qualifiers but four of those being from the big 10 and four of those being from the sec well if the top four are automatically in from those two conferences and there's still two at-large spots available once you get done with all the automatics it sort of comes out in the wash either way right i mean it doesn't make yep. a ton of difference whether you do the automatics or or, or not i mean we're, we're playing semantics at that point so my first thought reading everything yesterday was oh boy we are in we're just in negotiation mode when I saw the 14-team format come out, I was like, okay. Whenever you see something that doesn't make sense, like what? what is the advantage of 14 to 12? Like, to me, it's like you're either keeping it at 12 or you're going to 16, right? Like, what, it's, what, it, it, it's, it's math. It's four and four, and then the other two conferences get one. The, the A12 gets one, and then you like whatever you're doing from there. All right, the, the automatic qualifier. Yeah, I, 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 knew, I knew what you meant. Um, the only reason why you would only do 14 rather than 16 is if uh, you're worried about splitting up money. And you were doing double buys. So basically you had like one game first and then you go into this other thing and then there's a double buy. It was a really complicated bracket. So to me, like whenever I hear an idea like that, that just makes me think like you're either stalling or you're negotiating. Because like, is there anyone that believes in that model? Like, if this is going to be a playoff, why are we? I mean, I guess you want to reward the teams with the best season, but it's like that's not a playoff when you're getting double buys. Like, that's what you do in conference tournaments if you're in a small league. That's what you do in a conference tournament to try and ensure that your best team, if you're a one bid league, like that's what you do to make sure your best team gets in. So, what are we doing there? Um, I don't know. The thing that's interesting to me is. If I'm the ACC and if I'm the Big 12, I can't remember if I said this on your show. I, I said it with Blake Topmeyer last week. I'm going to them. I'm going to the SEC and the Big 10, and I'm dropping my ego, checking my ego at the door, and I'm saying, what do we have to do here to make sure we're a part of this world? Because I think if the ACC and the Big 12 really start to try to fight like they're equals, I think... I, I think the preference of the SEC and the Big Ten right now is, listen, we don't want to do this without y'all, but I think if they get pushed to do it without them, they go, screw it, we'll do it, we'll do it without them. One hundred percent. The big, like the Big Twelve, the ACC, those if those leagues want to stay in business, they've got to go hat in hand to the Big Ten and the SEC and go look. We realize that at Thanksgiving dinner, we're not going to get any of the turkey. We get it. We're not. We'll we'll have a hot dog. It's fine. Maybe a little bit of the dressing, but just we'll take the hot dog. Just let us sit at the big table. Even if at the end where we can't hear the adult conversation, just let us sit in the, at the big table. Do not make us go to the kid table because once we go there, we're never getting back. That has to be. And, and I don't know that they're capable of that. I don't. So the ACC is like the weird one 
I, I, you can tell me the ACC is not capable. I don't love some of like the branding stuff that your mark does. Like it feels kind of very like it, it just feels so disingenuous. Dude's a survival survivalist. I, I agree. Like I think I, mean, I think he knows how to read the room. Like in the end, are you telling me when you know expansion came up? He's like, you know who's number one on my board? I cannot <laughs> wait to add Arizona and Utah. You know what? Like that's that that's where that's where the bread is buttered. But you know the, what? The, go ahead. Go ahead. He, he he's the guy that goes to the bar and knows exactly his lane. He yep. goes, you know what? Nope. Th- yep. This th- this is gonna this this is right tonight. He's the opposite of the ACC, and I'll use the bar right. analogy because it's a really good one. He's the guy that walks into the bar and goes, you know, there was a day, there yes. was a day when I could pull this off. That day has passed, so I'm gonna stay in my lane here. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a couple of drinks. You know, I'm I'm just I'm gonna be cool. The ACC though is the sixty something year old dude that is hanging out at the college bar, and in his mind he's still a college kid, and he's got his comb over going on his hair, and he's wearing clothes that he sees the young kids wear, and he's got jeans on that are too damn tight. On. Yeah, yeah. This, this looks like a tool. Yeah, and he's not. He's not, not it's it's key to note he's not rich. <laughs> yeah, and he's not, and he's not rich. He doesn't have nature's yeah. greatest aphrodisiac. Yeah, and so you know, it's like, who are you kidding, man? And it feels like to me that's the ACC. He's the, he's the guy that you know. I used to play ball at North Carolina. Well, okay, I get it, but that was like a, two generations ago, champ. I mean, it just doesn't matter anymore. I, I, I get it. You had a moment, but they, they, they're having a hard time accepting who they are. And to me, that that's. To me, that's also the part of this that I'm having a hard time like in- investing a lot of emotional energy into what's coming because I think the ACC is going to blow up. It's an educated opinion. I think at least four schools are going to leave, and then others are going to say this isn't. They're going to scramble and figure it out, and that's why I don't. I don't even think the ACC is going to have an automatic bid when, once they even as early as 2026. I, I think the ACC could be completely gone as we know it. Yeah, Brett Yormark's a little like Will Ferrell in Wedding Crashers. He's funeral crashing, but he's cleaning up. <laughs> That's good. You know what I mean? <laughs> Found he's, the lane. Found the yeah. deal. Okay, this is yeah. good. Might I mean, be a genius. He's cleaning up. He's walking in and targeting the five in the bar and going, you know what? If I play my cards right, just maybe. And, hey, I respect that. But the ACC is the guy walking in, and he's still pointing at the 10 going, hey, baby, you're coming home with me. And she's like, there's not a chance in hell. Yeah. Hey, you got a Tiger win last night, Jeffrey. Let's talk about it. Appreciate it, bud. All right. All right. Later. Jeffrey Wright joining on the Camel Clinic Hotline. As uh, as always, uh, as we transition to second of basket or baseball, uh, one schedule <laughs> change here. Um, yeah. Ole Miss has moved first pitch on Saturday from noon to 5 o'clock. Um, so no conflict with, uh, with basketball. On, there goes uh, your Saturday. Saturday night. Yeah, I was not. <laughs> I, I, noon was amazing. Yes. Because I'll be able to tell you, like, so I, I I get the thing, and I like start sending the text, and people or whatever, and 
uh, I get the text back. She's like, hey, she's like, well, I'd already like told somebody else to go to the basketball game. Like whatever. I'm like, no, go. Trust me. I'm good. I- I'm just going to go to my baseball game at five o'clock. That's my day. Y'all y'all have fun at basketball. I'm I'm, I'm more than cool with, uh, with going to my baseball game on, on Saturday. But five o'clock, no conflict. Although, look, the way Ole Miss is playing so far, it's not the same type of uh, vigor around heading to, uh, to Swayze Field. Uh, Opening day crowd was fine yesterday. I saw some people criticizing the actual crowd. It was a Wednesday at 4 o'clock. They never do that. It opens on Fridays, and the crowd's good, and it was a Wednesday. It was good for crowd for a midweek game. Um, All right, so let me let me do this. I'll interrogate you. Ahead. I have a feeling you've already been interrogated by 1,000 people, and you're probably already a little fatigued about talking about a game against Arkansas State. So I'm going to ask this more big picture. Yeah, sure. You, you watch some fall ball. You watched some spring scrimmages. You only got to see one of the four games in Hawaii. You listened to the others. You've talked to people who were there, all that stuff. You you were there yesterday for Arkansas State. Correct. This team is two and three. It could easily be one and four. That's correct. Um, it's a very small sample size. It's five games. That being said, it is a sample size against two teams that I dare say have fewer resources than Ole Miss, Hawaii, and Arkansas State. Um, on a scale of one to ten, with ten being, oh my God, it's on fire. Someone please call the fire department immediately. And one being, hey, it's nothing. It's nothing. Where's the? Where should the panic meter be? I'd love for one more week to have passed to answer the question because it is, it's just five games, which puts a ceiling on the number, but 100%. However, in a vacuum to what you're saying, when you were asking that question, six and a half is what kept coming to my mind. Um, It's a pretty big number. It is. Well, because of a couple different things. And, and, and some of this is I talked to some people yesterday. I mentioned one to you before the show who, no baseball better than I do. And when they give honest opinions, they kind of go, I just don't like the roster. I just don't don't love what I see all the way around. They've seen some fall. They've seen some spring, some different things. And, look, this is not haters. This is people who would love for Ole Miss to be really good at baseball. Um, I, I, I just don't I, – there's I, a couple of things I don't like. And I, I wrote, I've written a little bit of this. And, yeah, this is, this is big picture, even though you can see the microcosms in these games, including yesterday, is that – and look, I know they came back from Hawaii and all that stuff, and we can do the jet lag stuff, but whatever. They played, they were on the field, they played the game. Um, Arkansas State had more energy, they had more confidence, they weren't pressing. They look like the team that simply expected to win more. And whether that's real or not, whether we're in one of those deals where, well, Ole Miss didn't hit and didn't pitch, of course they didn't look like they were going to win. I, I get all that, and it's baseball. But the roster right now, to me, the biggest thing, and this is based off of the stats that we have to date, is that they haven't had a guy – Lej has been really good, but they haven't had a guy that's kind of been the superstar to pick everybody up or the star to pick everybody up. And when you – when you're this team that has been average kind of throughout the roster, or below average in some spots, and there's no energy giver in this to sort of elevate, it becomes just just kind of mismatch of stuff. And I thought that's what happened yesterday: is that they just don't string any at bats together offensively. They that they they wasted bats offensively. The pitcher of Arkansas State, and look, they threw a plethora of them. They threw seven guys. Nobody threw more than one point two innings. It was a bullpen game for them after they played on Tuesday. 
some of the guys in the innings didn't throw strikes and Ole Miss was belling him out and they hit into a double play right after a walk. And there's just these things that were bad baseball. And when you play bad baseball, look, these players have played hundreds and thousands of games. They're not just bad baseball players. It means right. you're pressing. It means you're trying to do too much. It means you're off in your head a little bit. It means all these different things. And what concerns me about that for this roster is that most of these dudes weren't here last year. They don't have the scar tissue of 2023. You know what I mean? Like, it's even one thing for a guy who was around last year goes, God, we can't do this again. Like, we we, we got to fix this. And you start panicking a little. But Andrew Fisher, Luke Hill, Jackson Ross, those dudes played for other teams last year. All they do is see a big stadium and a lot of fan support, and they should be excited to play in the SEC. So why it's are why they I, pressing? It's why I didn't like their promo that they put out. And people are like, oh, I didn't like the cinematography. I'm like, screw that. I didn't like the message. Mm -hmm. The hey, they kept referring to last year. How many of you guys weren't here last year? Screw last year. What are you talking about last year? Unacceptable. We have a standard. Uh, okay. You had a bad year. It's a new year. I kept waiting to kind of like, why are you harping on that? And to me, that that's putting subconsciously this pressure on yourself to erase what happened last year, which is impossible. It, mm. it happened in the same way that the year before you won a national championship. No one can take that away from you. Well, forever you'll be six and twenty-four last year. So it is what it is. Move on, right? I mean, it's that's that's a hard thing to do, but once it's done and it's in the books and you've had a few days or weeks to reflect on it, move on. And it feels like they can't move on from last year. It's like, okay, well. We're, we're playing this season, which is hard enough because there's other good teams, but we're carrying this weight from last year, which leads into the whole pressing thing and thinking thing. And you're, you're trying to, you can get in your head in baseball and spiral quickly. I mean, it can, it can yes. throw you for a loop. And, and that's what I'm, and I, look, I'm reading messaging here. Okay. Like I'm, nobody's setting these things out. Right. But I'm, I'm doing the, the media gathering stuff after the game last night. And, Judd Udermark said, you know, still confident. He said all the right things. Uh, and But he mentioned, basically, we know that looked like last year. A couple of answers still referenced last year in some way in his head. And then Mike, yeah. and I look, I don't know that this is happening. Maybe he's just preemptively guarding against it. But he made an, he made an emphasis at the end of the thing to go, hey, I hate to hesitate. I hesitate to say we pitched really well tonight because I kept telling them this is not about one side versus the other. I wonder if you're already getting a little infighting hitter, pitcher, it's your fault, oh. that kind of thing. Because he almost pitched well. Almost did not pitch well last night, but almost pitched well enough to win last night. You know what I mean? They, they only yeah. allowed four runs. You should win a midweek game when you only give up four runs. You should hit Arkansas State enough to win a game when you allow four runs, but he sort of held up short of going, we did enough to win on the mound, but it was just some little part of him that went, yeah, I don't want that message out there exactly like that. And that, that sort of stuck in my head as I walked off the field. You know, I'm looking at sec standings, which are, I mean, obviously the sample sizes are incredibly small, but I mean, other teams have lost games. Tennessee's lost a game. Florida lost a game. Vanderbilt's Missouri has two lost at least uh, Vanderbilt's three and two. Uh, uh, Arkansas has lost a game. Mississippi state's two and three. I just wonder how many of those schools, and my guess is not many, are, maybe are carrying maybe state. Yeah. And yeah, it's a good example. But everybody else, I don't like, I don't, I don't think Tim anybody, Corbin didn't get to the ballpark this morning going, oh my God, we are no. screwed. No. Or, or, hey, you know, we've got to overcome this. No, it's just, hey, it's our early sample size we're playing. Let's just keep playing. You know, Dave Van Horn didn't go. I tell you, that, that loss, boy, that's, 
uh, reminded me of the way we we got bounced in the region. No, it, it, it's, it's hey, it's a game. We played it. Let's let's get ready to play the next one, right? I mean, let's just work on the things we're doing. And and it, I'm not even out there, and I just message board angst and stuff. It just feels like there's this weight around it, and it's like it's February, but when you're losing consistently, even in a one week period, to teams that don't have the resources you have. And again, I mean, they are that line drive goes a little bit further one way or the other. It's you're one and four right now. Mm-hmm. You're closer to one and four than you are three and two. Well, that's, and that's, and, that's, and, that's and, and Mike be, alluded Mike alluded to the pressing last night of the he play, he play, pointed out one in bad in particular, and it was in the seventh or eighth inning, whichever inning that Udermark hit the home run. They were down four one at the time. It was eighth. Okay, Udermark hits the home run. They go to, they're down four two. Yep. And then Groff gets a single. So they get a runner on first, one out, and Fisher hits a really hard ball in the infield that it's one of those two feet either way, single, and you're kind of rolling. And instead it goes right to the defender and makes the play, and it's an easy 6-4-3 double play or 5-4-3 double play or whatever it was. And suddenly the inning's over, and he was harping on that a little bit because I think his team is feeling everything that doesn't go right right now. And he said, no, he goes, it's, I know it's coach speak. And he's right. I mean, we can bash Mike all you want to, but he's exactly correct here. He goes, just put the at-bats together and it will work out over time. Like we can't get away from process here. Process. And I think he felt yep. his team failing on process because they're going, see, I did it. And still it's a double play. It's like, no, calm down. You just keep doing it. It's going to, it's going to work out. And he, he thought that at bat sort of epitomized when they were doing things well, but frankly, they're not most of the time. I mean, I, I don't have the exact stat, but I think if my math is right, I think they're 10 for 76 with runners on base so far this season. That is a 131 batting average. I was going to say that's below 140. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. If I have the math right in my head, they were one for 13 last night with runners on base. Not going to win much with those kind of numbers. First GNM Pharmacy. That's in Oxford. That's on South Lamar. 662-236-2222. They deliver locally in the Oxford area and they offer MedSaint. Fear prescriptions the same day each month. Take care of you. One trip to the pharmacy, one delivery. Everything you need when you need it from GNM. Also located in Holly Springs with Tyson Drugs. You can give them a call at 662-252-2321. Get the beautiful, healthy smile you deserve at Corinth Dental. Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile using conservative, state-of-the-art procedures that will result in a beautiful, long-lasting smile. From routine checkups to advanced treatment, including implants and Invisalign, Corinth Dental is here to help you achieve your smile goals. So schedule your appointment today. Take the first step toward a better version of yourself at CorinthDental.com. Are you a displaced corporate executive wanting to put your career in your own hands? Are you an experienced entrepreneur looking to diversify? Either way, Andy Ludicky can help. He owns multiple franchises and businesses. He uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy, put your life and your career in your own hands. It's 100% free. You've got nothing to lose. Myperfectfranchise.net or 404-973-9901. Southern Traditions Farm is a 68-acre, 32-stall upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi, two sand rings, a grass ring, miles of wooded trails, so much offered at Southern Traditions, uh, horseback riding offerings from beginner to advanced to being able to compete in nationally recognized competitions. It's also a great venue for corporate outings and more. So get in touch with them on Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. I'll have a mailbag up later today. 
It's brought to you by Art Hayes, Sotheby's International Realty. Are you thinking of making a move? Put the power of Sotheby's International Realty to work for you. As a licensed agent with uh, Sotheby's International Realty and a supporter of all things Ole Miss, Art can help you buy or sell in your hometown or anywhere in the world at no charge to you. Seriously. So call and ask Art how. 612-805-5929 or email him at Arthur. A-R-T-H-U-R dot Hayes, H-A-Y-S, at lakesmn.com. And their pitching was okay. Yeah. I think they have a chance to have a really good bullpen. I do. I like the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to start. You got to get to the bullpen. So they got high point this weekend, which the headlines write themselves if the weekend goes badly. Um <laughs> But I mean, you know, this is, you got to get well and you got to forget it. You can't change the Hawaii games. You can't change the Arkansas state game. You can't get back to 10 and five in one weekend. You just got to play. Just go play. Just figure Just relax. Enjoy baseball. Play. My point is one and four on the season. Um, They uh, lost three out of four to UMass Lowell. And then they lost uh, to App State on uh, Tuesday. Tell you, watch UMass Lowell on this thing. Yeah, I mean, some bird is UMass Lowell's mascot. I don't know exactly what that is, but some sort of hawk or eagle or falcon or. But you just got to go play the games, and if you win three, it doesn't mean that you've solved all your problems. It just, just go play, just relax a little. It's a long season. You got off to a bad start, but you you've got to mentally not let a bad start become, like you said, a death spiral, where you're just suddenly every. Every game is the end of the freaking world. No, I mean that you can't play a season like that. Um, River Hawks for UMass Lowell. Sorry. Okay. Do you know High Point's mascot? I don't. Uh, the, uh, the it's but, not a piece of furniture, which is what would probably come to your mind if you were just uh, thinking out loud. If, if they were a minor league team, they'd be like the Ottomans or something. Okay. Uh, the the Colonels. I don't know. Panthers. Panthers. For some reason, Crusaders is where my mind went to yesterday. I'm like, why would why would they be the Crusaders? Why is that what goes through my mind? I guess because like Furman's the Palatins and the Paladins. And like I'm like, okay, sure. All those stories. I mean, if, if Ole Miss so, loses yeah. on Friday night, you just make the headline low point and you entertain yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know the last As time the, they were two and three. Has the beat writer dread even begun to where you're like, oh my God, what if this is really bad? And I've got this is just the beginning of three months of this. It goes through your head a little bit. I mean, yeah. I was talking, I was because you're in a weird spot because people do follow me. Like, I know fans are frustrated. Like, I want to pass time and kind of play on Twitter. And I'm aware that I'm just frustrating them when I do that, but I've yeah. got to kill three hours somehow. So I. I wrote a little, and yeah, you're just kind of talking, but you're going. I mean, because look, look, last year, I, I know you said, "Hey, you get it," because you covered basketball for a long time when they were struggling yep. as a program. In baseball, it was sort of the thing that didn't do that. I had never experienced it before. I mean, you really look at it. My worst season to cover this team since 2006 was 30 and 25, 13 and 17 prior to last year. Yeah, that's bubble. it. I mean, and, and that's 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 good enough. Like that's not terrible. So. I had not really been through what that grind was like. And when you go, oh, God, I mean, just in your head, what if it's again? And it's even more because they're coming off last year and it's those things. It 
it affects everything. I mean, I, you know, I was, I interviewed a parent yesterday for a profile I'm working on. I was talking to her before the game and I mean, you find yourself because it's such a different deal of they went through last year that it's even different conversations with them that I would normally have. Cause it's not like this just automatic optimistic. Oh, wow. Everybody's rolling. And this is a program that doesn't not make the postseason and all that stuff. And everything just has a different tenor to it. And, you know, I like noticed I've got to I've got to write this now because it's possible in three or four weeks no one's going to read it. So I got to write it yeah. now. And you, you're you're like, okay, so what if they do turn it around? What am I going to write in April and May? You know, because it's not every 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 game's not the Super Bowl. But well, and and, and I'm not even I'm not I'm not criticizing at all because I mean I was I've been there I've been yelled at by Mike when I was young and had not been through it. But I could even tell some of the younger guys were almost kind of like scared of Mike last night. And I'm like, it's only game five. We got a while here. Like, you know, come on, let's let's go and. He was yeah, in a yeah. terrific. He was actually in a really. He, he was being very careful to be nothing but positive with his guys last night. He was in a really good mood because he had to be. Don't take that as a fan. As oh God, he's happy. No, he's not happy. He's projecting what he needed to project last night. He can't carry them out there five games into the season. No, no. When no, it's no, obvious no. that they're trying, right? You can't carry them out there into the outfield and just absolutely desecrate them it, 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 no. that's the worst thing you can do where they go home and they're like oh my god no you, you gotta hey he's, and, and he's right i mean it is it is process it is process and if you if you have the right process and you follow that process enough it will it should eventually work out Especially yeah, against well, if you do it later on, we'll go. Okay, was this team good enough? Is this team good enough? That's a different question. Right, right. But it's not going to be good enough if you're trying to hit 12 run home runs, no matter what. And when you're losing to Arkansas State and Hawaii, it's because you're you're, you're pressing. You're trying to yes. You're trying to hit the nine run home run. You're trying to throw the the triple playground ball. You're. You're Dude, I mean, they, they don't look right out there. I mean, even the pitchers. I mean, you look at their fall stats and their preseason stats. And that was on a track man that was zone. I mean, they use yeah. that track man every single practice. Mm -hmm. Their strike percentage is over ten percent down. They're they're it's mental. Yes, it's it's completely in their heads right now. That's why he's doing the right thing to just hey happy we're we're good everything's fine just chill out. I mean, you can't panic. The panic panic doesn't work in baseball. Mm -mm. I mean, it, it it just doesn't work. Baseball players have to have bad memories and. That pressing in that sport is failure. It's a disaster. So I I don't know. They, they play a bad team this weekend. They should get well a little bit. You're not. Gonna they fix need it just for their head space. And then the you know the Iowa thing comes up a week after that, and that's going to be interesting. But yeah, no, they're in a they're in a weird spot in their season right now where you and it's hard. You know what? <laughs> you never tell your wife, hey, relax. Like that's the worst, right? Why don't you chill out? It's okay. Relax. I mean, that's yeah. No life advice. No, don't do that. Don't say that. And and so when you're telling your baseball team, hey guys, chill. I don't know that that works either. You know, mm -hmm. it's the chill has to come kind of more organically than that. And so the more you tell a team, hey, re relax, chill out. It's okay. The more that they press, like I don't know. Yes. Yeah. It just it, it the roster does not look right right now to to close That's, the topic. To me, that, that is the concern. It's five yeah. games in. It's so yeah. early. Look, it's transit. Everybody's in a damn transition. It's the other part of everybody had to be better. 
is that nobody's in the same role, literally, other than maybe Quinn, if you want to call it that. Nobody's doing the same thing they were doing last year. Just a weird situation. Like, you don't see that type of upheaval at every spot in that way. You know, and they're not far away from having to play a series against Tennessee and a series against... Um, I mean, they open with South Carolina. That's no given at home. South Carolina's 5-0 and right now. You know, they just beat Queens okay. last night, you know. But they're scoring runs, you know, so they, they're playing. They won 13-3 to yesterday. They're, they're, they're loose. They're playing. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's... The league's brutal, and still got to play LSU at some point. Got to, got to play uh, everybody but Vanderbilt and Florida, Missouri. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to play good teams. Got to play A and M. Got to play Arkansas. Got to play good teams. Completely random as we close. I was when I went for a run yesterday. I was listening to uh, I mentioned on the show the rewatchables with Bill Simmons, and they were doing Forrest Gump yesterday. Have oh. you heard? Uh, about, I mean, he got killed, obviously, because we haven't seen the movie, but the potential plot devices of Forrest Gump 2 that was actually a script being written. No. Have you seen this? Okay. So, no. yeah, they were telling the story yesterday. Uh, by the way, you know, we've always long, long had our whole deal about Jenny's one of the worst people on earth always uh, when it comes to Forrest Gump. Bill Simmons took that uh, further yesterday. He, he, uh, he said, I'm not wasting the show. If you if you like rewatchables at all, the Forrest Gump was a live show. They were in a theater in DC and it was really, really funny. Um, but he uh said that when Jenny walked out after their intimate encounter encounter was maybe be the worst thing that anyone has done to another person in movie history, including the entire Saw franchise, um, at that point. So Absolutely, absolutely was... called her maybe the worst human on planet, including serial killers, mass murderers, and 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 slasher films at that point. Yeah. So yeah, she's she's deplorable, just horrible. <laughs> so, um, I mean, she so, rapes a forest. Yeah, right there. I mean, so Forrest Gump too. Uh, it was going to follow a similar structure of history you know meet some presidents all that kind of stuff and there's you know there was a Forrest Gump second book this I forget the author but the sequel had him to do with a lot of young Forrest and his issues and growing up and whatever so it had some of that in it but uh he was going to be in the Bronco with OJ um he was going to <laughs> dance with uh Princess Di at some point prior to her her death um and he was going to befriend and play bingo with a Native American woman, but somehow they were going to end up at the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, oh and God. that's why it got it got it got house. They had literally a meeting with the script the day before 9-11. And when 9-11 happened, they went, no way. We this we're, we're, right. it, it was Hanks or Zemeckis or one of them that said this movie is no longer applicable in any way it's not the america anymore basically and that was it so it got shelved at that point wow i do th th here's a deep thought for you and this is probably not true we would have heard this if, if the writer or the director mentioned it but again giving one more thing away from this this this, this show yesterday but I, I thought this was interesting and they used a couple of plot devices on why is that, you know, when Forrest goes to, I guess, New York, one of the big cities, he sees nothing but cabs. There's just yellow cabs everywhere. And obviously there would be a lot of cabs, but not to that level is 
in some ways was the entire movie extreme because it wasn't true, but it was through his lens and his intelligence level and that he almost imagined some of the events in that context. Oh, because there's several times in it where you see little blips where you go, okay, even in the reality world of what that is, that's not exactly what that would have looked like or been or whatever. So are we running through his mind in a way? This is what happens when you spend two hours on a movie 25, 30 years after it comes out as you think up these things. I'd have to really think about it. I mean, they maybe? also uh, they also pointed out that Forrest Gump was the uh, the birthplace of podcasting because the entire movie really was just about a guy uh, talking for a really long time while everybody else was just trying to get to their commute. So um, <laughs> that was that was the movie there. Yeah. Anyway, it's a hell of a movie. It's a good movie. It's, it's it really it's, is. It's it's a it's one of those movies that even though you've seen it a thousand times, that those final scenes you you feel something. That's to me, that's the genius of it. It shows you that it resonated. You know what's coming and it still hits you in the feels. It, it, it's actually it to say this, and this this is not copying from the the, the podcast unless I say this after I turned it off because I haven't listened to the whole thing. There's still about 40 minutes left. Um it's maybe what bugs me and is the great thing about the movie at the same time is he gets really deep there at the end with those final conversations and things and whatever. And at no point had we seen him have the ability to do that intellectually or at least voice it in that way that he went completely out of character in the way. At the yeah. end. And it works in a vacuum, but you kind of go, well, hold on a minute. Well, You're like not, his relationship with Bubba, for example, right? Where yeah. they built this bond, protecting each other, literally having each other's back. And he goes in and spoiler alert, everyone, he goes in and, you know, pulls him out and, and, and made the promise to Bubba about, the shrimp boat and mm-hmm. delivers the money to, to to Bubba's family and all that stuff. And yet in those conversations, there was never a, he doesn't, for example, look at Bubba's mother and go into this detailed feeling about what Bubba meant to him. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, Captain Dan, he, he never tells Captain Dan, here's why you mean so much to me. And yet at the end with Jenny, there's this, flowery, deep, emotional conversation that, like you said, there was never any sign that he was really capable of that mm-hmm. throughout, right? He, he he couldn't he couldn't really the scene with put his it mom, in that context or voice yeah, it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you knew he felt it, but he never showed the ability to express it. He and because of that, he would do the action. He he followed through with this promise to Bubba, right? He goes and makes all the money and he gives the money to Bubba's family and, and he just hands her the check and leaves. But the, the, that gesture was, I loved your son. He was my friend. We made a pact. I'm fulfilling it. I'm so glad that even mm-hmm. though I can't, you can't have Bubba that you can have his dream can, can, yeah, he didn't say that. He just hands her the check. Yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah, it's it. But we talk about this all the time. It's sometimes I think, I've never written a screenplay. I'm guessing that sometimes you just have to take a leap. Yeah. Everything can't be perfect. I mean, it just is. It is. Everything can't be rational. Yeah. Everything can't, everything can't be linear. There has to be a, and maybe the, what you would say is, yeah, but his connection to Jenny was such that 
it allowed him to break through and actually express it. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, see Kalen DeBoer said that uh, everybody at Alabama now has a chip on their shoulder because uh, everybody's saying that post Saban, it's not going to be the same. I mean, whatever, whatever gets you out of bed in the morning, Kalen. I mean, I'm cool with it. That's fine. Um, the one thing, and we'll talk. I'll talk about this some tonight, and we'll talk about it a lot because there's a whole football season that's months away, but. The for the longest time, people would talk about Nick Saban being the commissioner, and and just reading reactions, not just on our message board, but all over the place. I don't think that's going to work. I don't think Nick Saban can be the commissioner because anything Nick Saban says, people view it through the lens of the guy that coached at Alabama for a decade and a half or whatever it was, and they view it as him still looking out for what's best for Alabama, whether he is or isn't is somewhat immaterial. Perception's reality. I think the mass perception is, oh, you just want this to be cleaned up because Alabama hasn't thrived in it the way that... And I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. But I think that perception stops him from being able to truly be that voice. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I mean, because we, we had this fascination with the media and the public over whether he kept an office in Tuscaloosa and all this. It's just such yeah. a combined thing there that that's. And he that's did. You know, he's got an office at Bryant Denny, and he's going to do game day, and I think he's going to be phenomenal on game day. But I don't know that he can go be the commissioner of college football. And and yeah. you know, he says that, and then Kenny Dillingham says, you know, hey, quit bitching about the job. If you don't like it, quit. And I'm like, I get where you're coming from, but dude, I mean, there's. There's a lot there. It's a it's a sport that's just in crazy times right now. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Uh, back at it. Again, Neil's talked about hand-raised guys tonight. And then uh, a couple more podcasts on the network coming this week as well. Ole Miss back in action Friday afternoon, 4 o'clock against High Point. That is now 4, 5, and one thirty. the times over those three days, Friday to Sunday. And the Rebels and the South Carolina Gamecocks at the Pavilion. That is a 2.30 tip on uh, Saturday afternoon. So if you really want to get a lot of sports in, you can make both without an issue there. The game will end about the time that it will start over at Swayze Field. So thanks to Jeffrey, as always, for his time. And we'll talk to you again very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.